Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Lib to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and I am so thrilled. Today, we are interviewing Dr. Joe Mercola of Mercola.com. It's the number one health website on the internet. It's been around for 20 years, and if you've searched about anything for health, you have found Dr. Joe Mercola's website. And he has so much amazing information. He has so much cutting-edge information. I still go on there. I was even on there last night uh, reading about all the benefits of infrared saunas and all the cutting edge information that he provides. And I'm so honored uh, that he granted an interview to me. And we're going to be talking about his new book, Fat for Fuel, and how you need to correctly feed the right food to your mitochondria to get them to work and produce you know, the maximum amount of energy they're capable of and to correct metabolic disorders that are the plague of our society causing cancer and diabetes and heart disease. And you do have the power to get your health back. And it begins with diet. And we're going to be talking about all the different strategies that Joe uses and talks about in his book, Fat for Fuel. I cannot stress the importance of using an infrared sauna to detox from metals and chemicals that we all have in our body. There's 100,000 chemicals in the environment presently and dozens of toxic metals. And we all have these in our bodies. And unless you have a detox strategy to remove these, they will eventually make you ill. And an infrared sauna is one of the easiest and pleasurable ways to remove metals and chemicals from your body and just sweat them out through your skin. I use a sauna space sauna because it provides a full spectrum of infrared rays, mostly near infrared. And these are different from the typical saunas that you'll see at your gym or the ones that you'll see at a doctor's office or a naturopath's office. These are infrared bulbs that emit near-infrared rays, but more importantly, they provide light. And that light helps to activate your mitochondria and help you to produce more energy. And that's a benefit you won't get in a typical far-infrared sauna, of which many of you are familiar. So this is a sauna that I use almost every other day and that I recommend to all of my clients. It's very, very important to have a daily detox strategy to remove metals and chemicals there are so many benefits to using a sauna. Your skin becomes very supple and smooth because you're sweating all these toxins out of your skin. You also will keep infections under control. The saunas help to activate your immune system and kill off candida and fungus and mold and viruses and bacteria. Saunas also increase human growth hormone release, and that helps you to burn fat and to gain muscle. It's great for recovery from injury, recovery from sports. A lot of professional athletes use infrared saunas. Saunas also assist with weight loss. Not only do they burn calories, but they help you to sweat out obesogenic chemicals, which are chemicals that cause resistant weight loss. I recommend a sauna space sauna. They're the ones that I use. I have one in my living room. I use it every other day, and I think they're the best sauna out there. You can learn more about them at live210.com slash sauna. But before we get into the show, please keep in mind that this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in anything that we suggest today on the show. 
I have a book coming out called Limitless Energy on Amazon. It's called Limitless Energy, How to Detox Toxic Metals to End Exhaustion and Chronic Fatigue. And it is also about mitochondria, but a little bit different angle. I talk about the toxic metals that are mitochondrial poisons that actually prevent nutrients from getting into your mitochondria. This is a huge problem because all of us have heavy metals in our body. All of us have some level of lead, some level of mercury. We all have aluminum and other people can have uh, different metals as well. There's dozens of toxic metals but the specific metals I address in the book are mitochondrial poisons that reduce your body's ability to make energy. And it's one of the reasons that we're all so tired. I know a lot of you are eating amazing diets and you're exercising and you're trying to sleep and you're generally taking very good care of yourself, but you're still tired. And so I want to really help to illuminate in this book why that is and what you can do about it. So go check it out, Limitless Energy on Amazon. Our guest today, Joe Mercola, um, he is board certified in family medicine and has seen over 25,000 patients using natural therapies. 20 years ago, he founded Mercola.com, which is the most visited natural health website on the planet with over 30 million unique visitors every month. And he's written four New York Times bestselling books. You can learn more about Dr. Mercola at Mercola.com. Dr. Mercola, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Wendy. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? I mean, we know that you have the number one health website on the internet, and I've learned so much from you in uh, the many years uh, in you know researching about health, and your site always comes up <laughs> when you're searching <laughs> for things. We have a really good team that does spends a lot of time on the search engine optimization. But I was trained as a family physician uh, about 33 years ago now and uh, really was brainwashed and manipulated by medical school and came out a drug prescribing doctor just like any of the ones that do now. Uh, but I was always passionate about health. I just didn't understand how to get educated about it. I thought exercise was the big thing. And that was my and, and, and of course, I uh, failed to understand nutrition deeply and and fell into the trap of the low fat diet. So, you know, basically uh, in the mid nineties, I started getting it and connected with a network of physicians who were like Dr. Klinghart, who you've interviewed previously and, and really uh, started to understand health at a much deeper level. And it's a journey. No one understands it all. That's one thing I can assure you after three, more than three decades on this journey is that uh, you've got to learn from everyone. I, I really do. And, uh, it's uh, it's a fun. I mean, you just you, if you think that the, when I was in medical school, I remember very clearly one of our professors told us on the very first day, he said, listen, first day of medical school, he told the whole class, just remember, 75 percent of what we're going to teach in the next four years will be outdated by the time you graduate. So our <laughs> primary purpose here is not to teach you the facts, although you need that to pass the boards, but it's primarily to teach you how to learn. The sad reality is, though, most clinicians don't do that because there's they have CME requirements, but it's, they're not this. They don't have this burning commitment to understand health at a at a deeper level, which is what I've done. And yeah, we will. And, and others too, not just me. I don't want to. You know, be arrogant about it, but I mean, most physicians don't do it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of doctors we've been to. They go to their medical school, they get spit out, and they they do their practice, and they don't they just don't have a, a you know that passion for learning and updating their information or learning anything outside of the conventional mainstream medical community. 
So my newest passion, or most re- actually my newest passion isn't in this book, but but my most one of my most recent ones uh, was related to a book I read. And before I discuss that, uh, I uh, have acquired a number of health practices which I think are very uh, useful to promoting and, and keeping yourself healthy. And one of them is walking on the beach. I live close to the beach on the east coast of Florida, and uh, I walk about 90 minutes a day, sometimes two hours, actually about three or four days a week, I walk two hours, like today I was, I walked two hours, if I had, can fit the time and I like to do it, and, and then I time it based on the season, so I wouldn't walk at solar noon in the middle of the summer, I would walk at seven in the morning, solar noon is fine in the winter, but not in the summer in Florida, so that sounds like, and I'm very grateful I had the opportunity to do that, I, re- I really, really strongly believe that optimizing your light exposure is one of the keys to staying healthy and, and making sure you get enough sun. I, I, my vitamin D level is rarely ever below 70, which is very healthy. And I've never, I haven't taken a vitamin D pill in the last 10 years. So th- this practice allows me to do that, but you're going to say, how can you justify that time commitment? Well, I read. So last year I read it or the year before last, I read 150 books. And one of the most profoundly powerful books I read that year was Travis Christofferson's book called Tripping Over the Truth, The Metabolic Theory of Cancer. And I hadn't heard about this information before. I'd even interviewed the primary person in the book that was the the focus on his research was Dr. Thomas Seafried, who is a professor of uh, biology at Boston College and really established the modern day 21st century version of the metabolic theory of cancer, which is a derivative of Otto Warburg's work. So I read I, I read that book and I was just inspired. I mean, I was just and, and I actually uh, viewed uh, a movie called uh, The Fault in Our Stars. Have you ever seen that, Wendy? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, you have. Yes, Interesting. I have. It, yeah. I mean, I, I, for those of your viewers who have not seen it, I would encourage you to, but with a, a very strong caution. And you know what that caution is because you saw it, right? You cannot watch this movie without one, probably two boxes of clean. <laughs> yeah. that reading Travis's book and watching that movie just motivated me catalyzed me to focus like my entire drive for the next year year and a half on on really putting the information together in a solid cohesive message to help mentor people because there I, I can almost assure you and you know this for sure that virtually no one watching this video doesn't either have personally cancer or someone they know or love a relative or friend with it because one in two men will get cancer and one in three women will and that we're not talking about skin cancer which is the most common cancer we're talking about deadly cancers so it's a pervasive problem and interestingly the strategies that you can use to treat cancer also work for the other common diseases which are heart disease currently the leading cause of death but you know, it looks like cancer is going to overwhelm that by the end of the decade. And then we have neurodegenerative diseases and diabetes and obesity and who doesn't want to be the ideal body weight. So, you know, when you implement these strategies, which uh, I call mitochondrial metabolic therapy, because the entire focus is to improve the function of your mitochondria, as is Dr. Seafried's theory is that is cancer is not it is not a genetic disease as no. most clinicians believe it is that's a it, it, is there is there genetic damage of course but that's a downstream side effects of mitochondrial dysfunction so if you address the mitochondrial dysfunction you'll tend to reverse it now i i believe this approach which which involves teaching your body to to uh utilize fat as your primary metabolic fuel is an essential component 
of treating cancer. But it's not the only component. There's a lot of other adjunctive components like glycolytic therapies, high-dose vitamin C intravenous, uh, hyperbaric oxygen, and probably half a dozen other uh, components that can be used to treat it successfully. So you wouldn't want to rely this as your exclusive strategy, but it's, it really is one of the most foundational ones. Yeah. So we're going to be talking today about how to improve your mitochondrial function. And you talk about this in your upcoming book, Fat for Fuel. And so let's talk a little about that and how like the standard American diet is destroying our mitochondrial function and the type of diet that you recommend that people eat to optimize mitochondrial functioning. Well, we, you are correct. And it's the the primary reason why it's destroying this typical diet is destroying people's health is it's processed food. So the primary focus is to eat real food, which is not a complex concept, of course, but it's uh, something that most people don't do. The vast majority of people's food is processed. Over 95% of the calories Americans eat are processed food. So that's the key thing. And you have to be particularly careful about fats, even though this is about burning fat for fuel. And I believe most of us at a minimum, we should have 50% of our fat to as much as 85% of our food is our calories as fat. If you eat the wrong fat, it's probably even worse than not eating enough because the wrong fat is very, very dangerous. And the low fat diet myth that I fell trapped that I fell into uh, early <laughs> later in the 20th century was a result of primarily of one researcher, Ansel Keys, who was a prominent nutritional researcher in the mid-20th century. And he his response was really to a legitimate problem. In the first half of the 20th century, there was an epidemic of heart disease. I mean, it was rare in 1900, but then it was a serious issue in 1950. And he incorrectly, well, he correctly identified the problem as fat. He incorrectly identified it, the type of fat, because it was the vegetable oil and the margarines and the trans fats that are essentially plastic and you can bet in your cell membranes and just disrupt your, your, your met metabolism. So that was the problem, but he didn't realize it. He just actually had, he, he villainized saturated fat. And the more and more studies, even what came out today or this week that's showing that a saturated fat is so beneficial and healthy if it's, if it's not processed. So the key is to really get people to go through what I call a transition period. And for someone who's healthy, it might be a few weeks. For someone who's pretty severely metabolically compromised, it might be a few months or even longer to restrict your carbohydrate intake quite dramatically to under 50 grams and in many cases under 20 grams, so somewhere in that range, and then to replace that with fat and to limit. And here's the key. This is how it differs from traditional paleo or ketogenic diet or paleo is that we lower protein to a very specific amount, one gram per kilogram for lean body mass. And you know, approximately that's 30 to 50 grams, maybe 60 grams. For the average person, depend if you're a small woman, then it's closer to 30. If you're a big male, if you're working out 60 or even higher on your workout days. And this is not forever. This is just to, to teach your body how to burn for fat for fuel. Uh, it is just key. And, you know, I just lectured at one of the biggest chiropractic colleges in, in the country last year. In fact, it is the biggest, Life University in Atlanta. And I asked the students, there was several thousand of them, I asked them about, I threw up one word on the slide, mTOR. I said, you've heard of that, right? Right, Wendy? Of course. mTOR? mTOR. I'm not familiar with that. Okay, you're not. Well, guess what? Neither were any of the life yeah. students. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually shocked. I almost fell off the stage. Uh, <laughs> this is Now, I could understand why not, but it's it's just 
Pearl, here it is, 2017. They still are not being taught that. No one in this audience of 2,000 chiropractic students did, knew what this was. Yeah. I, I suspect that many of their, their instructors didn't either. But anyway, mTOR is a, probably the most important metabolic signaling pathway that we have. It's more important than insulin, more important than leptin. It's, it's, it's an acronym. Uh, initially, it stood for mammalian target of rapamycin. Now it stands for mechanistic. And rapamycin is a cancer drug, one of the most effective cancer drugs. And it works because it suppresses this pathway. In fact, many people, you know, when you treat cancer, you also treat aging. That's another thing. It's a disease I mentioned. You can slow down, radically put your foot on the brake of aging if you optimize these these pathways. So mTOR is one of them, probably the, one of the most important pathways to optimize aging. And the single most important catalyst for, for increasing mTOR, which is dangerous, because when you increase mTOR, that's when you decrease autophagy, which is the body's system for essentially dissolving defective cells, especially, especially cancer cells. So you, that's why you have to limit protein, because the most important variable or catalyst to activate mTOR is protein. Mm. that's why we keep it at a low level. And that's a really important concept that most paleo approaches don't fully appreciate. So yes, do I, I think you need to be a vegetarian? No. Do I think you need to limit your meat? Absolutely. And it needs to, you have to, of course, the devil's in the details. You have to pay attention to the quality. So you don't have processed capo meat. You know, you want it grass fed and organic and grown as cleanly and, and harvest it as humanely as possible. So, and you, but you don't need much. The average person shouldn't be eating more than two to three ounces at a setting or a serving. That's not much. I mean, it's definitely smaller than your fist, significantly smaller, maybe half the size of your fist. Yeah, I think it's a big mistake that people make. They think that a paleo diet or kind of a, a healthy type, you know, modern paleo diet, what have you, it involves a ton of meat. And, and a lot of people mistakenly interpret that. It's got to be meat and vegetables and half their plate's full of meat and half it's full of vegetables. And I, I love that you br bring that up because we do need to limit our meat uh, to yeah. a degree. It's not all about meat. It's just, you, you can get too much of a good thing. And, yep. and so can that same thing hold true for fat? I mean, I know there's some people genetically might have trouble with fat or they have, they don't produce enough bile. Is there any well, that, considerations that, there? Absolutely. And a fair number of people, and I, I just actually read a book that highlighted the statistics, but I don't recall them, but it was quite extraordinary. There's a fair number of people who actually have their gallbladders removed mm -hmm. on a, like regularly. So if you are one of those people, just recognize that you're metabolically compromised for the rest of your life, because there's no one that's going to give you a gallbladder transplant, at least not likely in the near future. Mm -hmm. So uh, the what does the gallbladder do? It stores bile that's approved, secreted by the liver, which is responsible for essentially emulsify your fat so you can absorb them. So if you're one of those people, you don't have to get, give it up and like kill yourself or anything because you can absorb the fat with things like uh, digestive enzymes that have lipase and also ox bile that will help emulsify the fat. So you should take them with every meal that you have fat. So if you're having a piece of fruit, you don't need to take them because there's no reason you're not going to need bile to digest your, your fruit. So this protein restriction though isn't forever. It's only in the transition period where you're burning where you're seeking to make the transition between burning carbs as your primary fuel and fat. And the reason we wanted, one of the reasons why, it's just obvious. If you look at the fuel storage in your body, 90, 95% of the calories stored in your body for fuel are stored as fat. It's only 5% that's stored as sugar or glycogen mm -hmm. in the liver and the muscles. And the, really, your body can only use the glycogen in the liver because the one in the muscle stays in the muscle. It doesn't go out to the systemic circulation. So... 
uh, it would make sense that we should, we needed to, 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 to do this. Unfortunately, because we've gotten into this point where we have access to food 24 seven, and this is another part of the timing of your food mm. that our blood sugar state, you know, we're, we're basically never go without food for more than eight hours or so for most people. It's pretty unusual for someone in a typical American diet to go for food without 12 hours. And they may have been doing this for years. So when you get into that, then you really, there's no reason for your body to burn those fat stores. You down uh, regulate the enzymes to do that in your whole metabolic system. So you essentially just accumulate fat and you store it and you don't burn it. You're just burning glycogen. And that's why people get these symptoms when they don't, they go without food, they cravings and they get hypoglycemic and nervous. And there's a real reason for that because your body needs energy, even though they've got the fat, they're not fat adapted, so they can't burn it. And they, they ran out of glycogen, so they're, they need fuel. So yeah. those are, are appropriate. Yeah, well, let's talk about that, about that transfer. When mm -hmm. people go from burning carbohydrates for fuel to fat for fuel. And mm -hmm. so what are some maybe tips <clears throat> that you can give people to avoid, they call it the low carb flu. Um, mm -hmm. I know there's a, a lot of strategies you can use sure. to avoid that. Absolutely. I've certainly experienced that. Yeah, this is relatively easy to do. Well, first of all, let's give your viewers uh, the markers to understand when they've made the conversion to burning fat for fuel. It's really simple. And one of the reasons why you want to do this, which I neglected to mention, and I'll answer your keto, uh, keto flu question, is that uh, when you burn fat for fuel, you, your body generates something called ketones. And we've all heard of those. Some people are nervous about them because they may have heard about diabetic ketoacidosis, but that's a totally different condition than keto, nutritional ketosis. Usually the ketones never go above eight millimolars and in diabetic ketoacidosis can go to 20 or even 40. Uh, also with really high blood sugars, which is the exact opposite nutritional ketosis, which usually has a low blood sugar. So it's a totally different animal. It's not gonna cause any harm or damage. It only causes good actually, for the most part. Uh, actually, for the whole part, as I don't know of any uh, side effects that are detrimental. So when you're burning ketones, your body's creating them, these ketones, pretty much all your tissues love to burn fat for fuel. There's only a few that don't, the nerves and the brain, but they still can. They, they need about at least 15% from glucose, but they can still burn these ketones for fuel. So when, you, when you're burning them as fuel, and this is the magic, this is the metabolic magic, they, you generate less reactive oxygen species, maybe 30, 40% less. And that is a, a artifact of really burning fuel. It's sort of like the pollution that you get from burning fuel. And you just burn it, create a lot more, a lot more smoky fuel. And these reactive oxygen species are significant because of course, most people know they, they cause free radicals, which have this unpaired electron of highly reactive molecules that, that decimate uh, cellular mitochondrial DNA cell membranes and proteins. So it really wrecks the system. It's not that you don't need any, and there's a lot of people are confused on this. They take antioxidants, which indiscriminately lower these free radicals. You need some free radicals. They really are vital to health, but if excess free radicals are very dangerous. And really, what, that's the primary reason why burning fat is your primary fuel is so beneficial. It gets you cleaner fuel. Mm. So, and that trans. So anyway, the reason I talked about ketones is that you. Know you're burning fat for fuel when you start, body starts producing ketones. And you can measure them. There's three different ways you can measure them your urine and your blood. The blood's the most accurate. Urine works for a little bit, but then becomes really a poor indicator later in the course. Uh, and the easiest and least expensive way and most non invasive is the breath. You can measure uh, breath acetone with a device called the ketonics. And 
it's over 100 bucks, but you can use it indefinitely. It just works, and there's no refills that's required, no sticks, because to measure ketones with the blood is like $4 a stick, plus you have to stick your finger. So uh, this is a little easier. So you can, when you find out that you're making ketones out of your burning fat for fuel. So in that transition phase, to prevent some of the side effects which you were concerned about and experienced yourself personally, the keto flu, uh, you, because your body's not create, accessing those fat stores, your, your energy level is going to go down. You're going to feel miserable. So the simplest thing to do is provide an alternate fuel, fuel source. And one of the most powerful is MCT oil. You could use coconut oil, which is typically MCTs are derived from coconut or even palm oil. Uh, but the MCT from, is a little bit better because it has two carbons, typically, the, the generic MCT. It has a C8 carbon and a C10, caprylic and caproic acid. Uh, and they will make ketones really readily because they're very short-chain fats. Uh, if you really want to get good action, though, uh, you want to go with a C8, which is caprylic acid, uh, really potent way. The only problem with them is you have to be really careful with the dose initially because if you start taking like a tablespoon or two of these initially, you will invariably, unquestionably have disaster pants. Yeah. <laughs> you will. Yeah, I have heard people having that problem. Yeah, yeah. So you just start slow, a teaspoon, half a teaspoon, and you work your way up. Uh, but it will give you the energy. Now, you can do that throughout the day, but you just have to be careful initially. Uh, but it's a powerful tool, and that will help. And then a lot of times, too, you're probably generating some reactive oxygen species or metabolites that aren't too good. So I'm a big fan, and I think almost everyone watching this, I can't imagine someone watching this who wouldn't need this or benefit from it, is having a bottle of liposomal vitamin C. Vitamin C by itself is great, but liposomal is even better than intravenous vitamin C because it's attached to these phosphates, so it doesn't even – you know. You, uh, Normally, you can't take high-dose vitamin C because it causes an osmotic diarrhea, so you get really loose stools. There's very few people who can go more than 20 grams of a day of vitamin C, but you could take 100 grams of liposomal C and not get any problems with your stools because your body absorbs it all. But even once it's into the blood, it goes into the cells intracellularly really well, and it, work, it works pretty well to abort these types of symptoms, especially, you know, it's called the keto flu, but even the regular flu, coughs and colds, you know, it's just unbelievably magnificent. And I, I always travel with it. I rarely ever get sick, uh, which is a testimony just not to my, it's just a lot. If you follow a healthy lifestyle, it's really hard to get sick. So, but it's almost every trip, someone I encounter is really sick. So I give a bottle of vitamin C and it turns their life around. So, yeah, you but, sent me a couple of bottles of your lifosomal vitamin C and I appreciate that so much. And I thought it was ingenious that the liposomal is in capsules. You don't have yes, to refrigerate yeah. it. And that's genius because a lot of people, they can't travel with regular liposomal because you have to refrigerate it and then the other thing is that uh it doesn't have a bad taste because it's in a capsule because liposomal c tastes pretty bad i remember some of the early ones you had to put in water oh boy it was just really hard to get yeah. down <laughs> <laughs> so these are easy and uh actually i'm doing it now i i don't you're the detox expert uh and i'm going to be interviewing you in my uh program uh and I'm convinced, you know, I don't really have any data to support it, but I'm convinced it's going to facilitate detoxing too. And myself personally, I do 10 grams twice a week now when I'm doing a special type of detox of a, a foot bath. So, Oh, you know, vitamin C absolutely detoxes you. It removes lead and mercury, and there's a couple other metals off the top of my head. I don't remember, um, but it absolutely facilitates because it recycles glutathione also. And that's oh, the body's that. master antioxidant that you need oh, to sure. detox your body. Yeah, um, so it's a good strategy. I just don't think 
personally, and I could be wrong, uh, I frequently am, but uh, you know, I, I believe my belief is that you shouldn't take it every day because you can develop a tolerance, which is one of, another magical portion of this. And as I was adopting this, because I did this program myself before I wrote the book Fat for Fuel. In fact, I was I was obsessive compulsive about it. I purchased like a four thousand dollar twenty four hour glucose monitor called Dexcom, which is an implantable strip sensor that you put into your abdomen once a week. And I measured my blood sugar every five minutes and I got really good. I had really high ketones, but then I didn't understand when I was doing this because no one was teaching this. I mean, there's some people who knew, but no one that I read knew this is that you can't stay on nutritional ketosis or ketogenic diet indefinitely. It's very dangerous actually to do that. Very dangerous. So you only want to stay on it long enough until you're burning ketones for fuel. And then you made the transition. And then you have to do this pulse, which is kind of what like applied to the liposomal C is you want to like pulse typically. So you can even not suppress, you don't want to suppress mTOR continuously, but most of the time you want to keep it down. So when you're doing strength training, which I think is a really important uh, to do a few times a week and you need an anabolic kick, then you can have some protein, which will increase mTOR, have a little more fruit or sweet potatoes. Like today I did a strength training day, just doing deadlifts and uh, squats and a whole variety of others that, you know, with my trainer. So I do that twice a week and that's when I'll have my sweet potatoes and I activate IG, IGF and uh, insulin and mTOR. And it really helps uh, uh, that anabolic stimulus to improve muscle growth because we need muscles, especially as you're getting older. So sarcopenia is not a fun thing. You want to preserve your muscle mass. Yeah. And that's such a good point that you brought up. And I think a lot of people aren't talking about that enough that you have to pulse doing the keto diet. Um, because I think a lot of people will think of it as like a lifestyle that they're going to just stay on the super, super low carb diet. And like you said, your brain and your nervous system, they need some sugar. You know, they can't, you know, they need a little bit. And I, I really like that. I mean, it's one thing if you're diabetic, you have to really, really watch your sugar. No, even if you're diabetic, even if you have cancer, I interviewed yeah. uh, Dr. Seyfried's, uh, there was an oncology group in Turkey and I interviewed Dr. Slocum and it was adopted as, and I didn't realize, they, I don't even think they did intentionally, but just an artifact of their protocol is that they were actually doing this pulsing. They they let him feast afterwards. So it was just great. I mean, because that's what, and there's a there's a Dr. Walter, Walter Longo in California who uh, was really clear about this, and he's done a lot of research in this area, is this, the metabolic magic actually occurs during the refeeding, but it's kind of like exercise. You know, when you exercise, we all know the importance of exercise, but you damage your body. You are definitely setting it back. You are causing tissue damage. The magic with exercise occurs during the recovery. Well, this is like exercise. The ketogenic diet is kind of like that. You know, you, it's, you're causing some damage. And the magic, it comes in the refeeding. I mean, it's interesting because you could, when your lipstick level is really low and you have carbohydrates, you would think your blood sugar would go up. But it actually goes down if, you, if, you're, if you're really well metabolically controlled. And uh, your ketones increase. So it's exactly what you want. You want this pulse and you couldn't be more on target. And, you know, I didn't understand that. I had to figure it out myself by trial and error, but it's it's biologically true from my perspective, and I really believe it's the way to go. Yeah, I think that's such a good point to make because I, I just, it like makes my, uh, just very nervous when I see people on Facebook and they're talking about how they're, they've been keto for so long and, and we know that they're not doing it correctly. We know that. Yeah. So you outlay, you have a, a program you outline in your book, Fat for Fuel. Can you tell us about that? Yes, yeah, so we provide the details for people how, uh, on how they can implement this. And it's all carefully illustrated. We're going to have a lot of other supporting resources around there, too, because it really is, in many people, it's a life and death situation. And if you're one of those who has 
really serious heart disease, congestive heart failure, Alzheimer's, which is a tsunami of an epidemic impending. Uh, so obviously, most people watching this, it wouldn't be you, it would be your parents, uh, but or certainly cancer, which you know, it's tragically, we have many children, which is, you know, I said initially was one of my motivation for writing this book is to really stop these kids from dying needlessly and suffering. It's just, you know, there's 1600 people a day, every day who die from cancer in the US. I mean, it's just so tragic. And 1500 of them, I believe, don't have to die. They don't have to die. If they understand this metabolic truth, especially the earlier adopted, the better. You know, stay away from processed foods. But if you're one of those people, you really need to be very careful about measuring your food. Now, this is not something you do as an obsessive compulsive the rest of your life, just in the transition period until you understand what it is. And you can per per periodically go back, but just probably a few months. So you have to use a, a really valid nutrient tracker. There's a number of them out there. MyFitnessPal is one that was common, uh, but unfortunately they allow users to enter the data and they know fact check it. So it's a lot of flawed data and, and, and bad data is worse than no data. So chronometer.com is the one I recommend, C-R-O-N-O-M-E-T-E-R.com. And uh, it's real, they, you can enter your own data, but it's not shared with anyone else. So if you want to make the mistake of entering data incorrectly, you're going to pay the price for it, but no one's going to suffer as a result of your ignorance. So uh, other than you or your family, if it's using it, but, but, uh, so be careful when you're entering it. So you, it will give you, I mean, you can tell like to the 10th of a gram, how many protein, protein calories you're having, which is pretty interesting. So you can figure it out how many, how many grams you're having. And you don't have to worry about the fat other than the quality of the fat, which is imperative, but you could have several hundred grams of fat a day. I was, one time I was having four or 500 grams of fat a day. I had like four or 5,000 calories. I'm, I'm back closer down to 3,000 calories a day. So. Um, once you've got it toned in, it'll take several months at least, probably closer to a year, before you're able to modify and fine-tune it. But it's a radically effective program. And and so there's, like you said, there's so many people diagnosed with cancer, and they go to their physician. They're given, they're not given any well, nutritional advice. Even more diagnosed, the ones I, the statistic I said it was those who are dying every day. Yes. <laughs> No, I, I apologize. Yeah, I misspoke there. <laughs> yeah. No, but when they go, when they go and that they have, they get diagnosed with cancer, and there's many, many thousands of people that's happening to, and so they're not getting nu nutritional advice. They're only being told to do radi radiation and chemo. Can you mm -hmm. talk a little about that? And sure, yeah, and, and you know that it may be a challenge for you. And I've done a number of interviews on my site because that's just an important topic. That there are resources that you can access, like Best Answers for cancer and a variety of others that can give you networks that you can go into. But it's really common for that scenario. And uh, a common response from many oncologists will say, well, diet doesn't matter. Well, then the response to the oncologist back to him is say, well, okay, if it doesn't matter, then you have no problems with me doing this diet. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so that that's the response. Uh, but most oncologists are clueless. They just don't get it. There are, this is not a hundred percent, but most of them are, they don't even under, they don't, I mean, it's just so tragic. There is just absolutely no question that IV vitamin C is just a magnificent tool in the treatment of cancer. Uh, I mean, the mechanism is it actually increases peroxide, which is an oxidative stress in these cancer cells. They are operating on uh, anaerobic fermentation and, and any oxidative, additional oxidative stress just decimates them. So it helps kill them quite a bit, but they just, they, they don't even want to hear about it. So if that's your case, you know, and I've had people comment on my forum, I just tell them, listen, you are in control. It's your life. Fire your oncologist. There's no one handcuffing you saying you have to see this person. We're, we're not in a 
uh, uh, that type of social structure where it's mandated. So just find someone else because your life literally depends on it. Yeah, well, my father died of cancer. He was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, and he came back from his surgery, and the doctors gave him a list of foods that he could eat, and one of them was <laughs> white potatoes, white mashed potatoes, crackers, uh, like refined carbs, and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, this is the most elementary information. I guess I suspect he lost weight, too, because cancer cachexia is a real common problem, so they, then they probably put him on Ensure which is they the did. number one is high <laughs> or yes. there's another one blast or something. I forget it's what it be balance, whatever they call it. Uh, but it's full of high fructose corn syrup and hydrogenated soy oil. I mean, it's just like, they, it's like they're trying to kill them. Yes. I mean, if they understood the metabolic truths, that is the only rational response because they're, they're, but they're so clueless and ignorant about nutrition. They have no idea what they're doing. They just yeah. think a calorie is a calorie. It doesn't matter what type, what type it is. Yeah. It, it blows my mind that hospitals use Ensure. So let's talk about fasting. So yeah. uh, do you discuss fasting in your book? Oh, and... yes. Yeah. That's the timing of the food. I, I referenced it earlier, but didn't go into details. Thank you for reminding me about that. You know, there are two out of three people in the U.S. are overweight. I mean, that's just known. It's probably higher in many states. It might be even 80%. So, and then, of course, a fair number of those are obese, which is even worse. So if you or someone you know is seeking to implement this program, then it's powerful, powerful strategy to actually catalyze your progress into this is fasting. And the best book on this is The Complete Guide to Fasting by Jason Fung, who's a nephrologist at the University of uh, Toronto in Canada. And uh, I was really opposed to this before I started doing this work, but then I started to realize it's amazing. Now, you have to be careful if you you really are underweight because you will lose weight when you do that. It's not the purpose of the purpose of is it to shift your body's ability to burn fat as your primary fuel and radically catalyze it. And you can go for as long as you can, but the, the, it's important to understand that fasting is not starvation. And what do I mean by that? Well, fasting is voluntary. Starvation is not. So you, you, you have the confidence to understand you are in control. If for some reason you just absolutely have to eat, then you eat. And it's actually, it's very rare to get the maximum benefit after the first fast cycle. And you usually have to do it two, three, four, five, six times. And you're, each time your body becomes better adapted to do it. So it might be you do, maybe you do it for a week, you do it for three days. If you do it for longer than a week, you probably should be medically supervised because there are some complications, especially if you're taking medication, you know, your blood pressure will drop dramatically. So you might, you know, get hypotensive and pass out, uh, or you're taking the anti-diabetic medication. So you got to monitor your blood pressure because you could have hypoglycemic attack, which is interesting too. You know, when, during this process, I, I knew what my blood sugar was. So my blood sugar went down to 40, which for many at night, typically at night, about one or two o'clock in the morning, which who's going to know their blood sugar at that time, unless you're measuring transcutaneously, you know, when you're sleeping. So, but you know, for that, if that, blood sugar was present in someone, the average person, they would pass out. But when you're fat adapted, it doesn't matter because your body's burning fat. It's not burning sugar. Yeah. And so there's so many benefits to fasting. I mean, you know, you go into autophagy and you reduce inflammation. It's a great time for your body to kind of clean itself up. Well, it definitely happens. There's no question. In fact, even for this epidemic of Alzheimer's that we're having, uh, Dr. Fung believes that uh, the a lot of the pathology in Alzheimer's is, at least mechanically, is due to these protein tangles you get in your brain. And when you go into this fasting mode, your body starts eating and recycling protein. So it starts digesting some of these protein tangles. So uh, like the amyloid plaques. The other component, though, is you don't – you could do this without fasting. I didn't fast. You know, I'm relatively on the low weight side, so I didn't want to lose a lot of weight. 
I lost too much on this. I lost, I went down, I think I lost 20 pounds and I shouldn't have, it was 10 pounds was okay, but the 20 was just ridiculous. So I actually, because I didn't understand the cycling, I, I just was doing it too long and I just didn't catch it quick enough. But the other component of this, and what I do continuously now is something called intermittent fasting. There are many types of intermittent fasting. You could do it like two days a week, five, five days off, or every other day, like Kristen Verity of the University of Illinois. The 5-2 fasting is Michael Mosley out of uh, England. He wrote the book, The Fast Diet. But I think the best way is something I call peak fasting, which is seeking to be fasting pretty much every day for mm, 14, 16 hours, somewhere in that range, but at least 12 and it's so vital. Part of this is, you know, the I used to think that breakfast, you shouldn't have breakfast, but I, I was mistaken on that. And I think you really do need breakfast. What, the, what meal you should minimize as much as possible is your dinner. And you probably say, why the heck? Well, I mean, if your dinner is at three or four o'clock, like mine is, which is still relatively light, you, you want a lot of time between the you last consume your calories and the time you're going to bed. And why is that? Well, when you're eating food, it's fuel, right? So your body's making ATP. And if you aren't using this ATP because you're sleeping and you have a minimal energy consumption, then that electron transport chain is going to back up. And what's it going to do? It's going to increase reactive oxygen species. So you're just asking for trouble. It just doesn't make sense to eat a big meal at night. Now, if you're socially constrained and you're working as many people watching this are, then I'm not suggesting that you impair that connection that's so, that's so valuable, the social connection with your family. Uh, maybe sit down and have a really light piece of, or just drink a, some tea or a glass of water with them and spend the time, but just don't eat food. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely noticed that when I eat a, a dinner like too late at night, I don't sleep that well uh, at mm. night. And there's a reason for that. And I think people mm. really need to tune into their bodies and pay attention to that because there's a reason. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes. And Meta a strong metabolic reason for it. Yes. Yes. And so let's talk a little bit about infrared saunas and oh, how those can power mitochondria as well. Because I love infrared saunas. I use one a few times a week and I have for years. So what is your take on infrared saunas and how they can power up your body? Oh, there's no question about that. Uh, you are one of the advanced practitioners because you're one of the rare people who understand that we talk about infrared sauna. First of all, you, there's a lot of infrared saunas. And the most common one is the far infrared, which is, can, it, can be typically loaded with very dangerous EMFs. But you wisely understood that. And I don't know how or why you did that, but you did. And you're using a full spectrum, a true authentic full spectrum heat lamp sauna which uh, is not only has the far, which is primarily far and mid, but it has about 10, 12% of the energy is near infrared. And that's why I one of the reasons why I believe near uh, the, infra the infrared saunas are so good. Now, the far infrared, the commercial ones, even if they're low EMF are still good, but they won't give you the metabolic benefits. The metabolic benefits occur when you're exposed to two primary frequencies. And these are the red, actually simple red light at 660 nanometers, and then the near infrared, probably of a range from 810 to 850, maybe the sweet spot being 830 nanometers, which is hard to see. In the, actually, it's almost impossible to see in the daytime. You can see it at night, but you can't see it in the daytime. But you're getting it with that near-infrared heat lamp. I'm a little, I don't, I, I, I do a hybrid, and we're actually in the process of developing a, uh, a protocol, to, not a protocol, but a product, but it's going to take us like a year or two, maybe three, to figure it out, all the details and the energy densities and all that. But, but if you can combine the 
infrared sauna with the red light and the near infrared, these wavelengths actually resonate with a molecule in one of the electron transport chains in the mitochondria, which is, I think I see the second one, is uh, cytochrome C oxidase. And it, it it captures that energy and makes the production of ATP far more efficient. And these things are like magic. I mean, I've had actually my, my personal assistant and my the head of my security team, um, both were rear-ended. I mean, within my, my security guy was yesterday and my assistant was like about a month ago. And immediately I put him on the near infrared light and also some high dose microactive uh, curcumin, which is a really potent anti-inflammatory. And there, there's there injuries of early brain trauma, traumatic brain injury, I'm sorry, TBI, just result, man, that massive headaches, dizziness and everything, it's just gone. I mean, this thing is like crazy good. And it just worked because it heals the mitochondria that were repaired and probably dying, many of them. And it just, you know, gives them a little, it's like wearing a cast, it's powerful stuff. But it, even if you don't have that injury, you know, you're just, you're just metabolically injured because you've been eating the wrong foods. Powerful strategy. There's a lot of studies now that show that it works to clear up Alzheimer's. I mean, obviously, you want to address the food. It's not like a magic bullet. I don't want to give that misperception. But just putting this light on your head, going through the skull, will help repair a lot of brain damage. And even for kidneys, people on the kidney transplant list, putting them on your kidneys or off the transplant list. I mean, this stuff is great. And hardly any clinicians understand the value of near-infrared light. Yeah, and they're so they're so inexpensive. They're, they're 10 bucks. Yeah. A light, a heat lamp is $10 at a hardware store. Yeah, well, a heat lamp, it is, but a heat lamp's a little different. That's yeah. the near, mid, and far, and only 10% of that, that energy is near infrared, yeah. which is where the magic occurs. So you could, I, I, my preference is to get the 850 nanometer wavelengths yeah. and uh, like the security lamps. Illuminators oh, yeah, well, this is what you sent me, right? Yeah, yeah so, but you can add these to your sauna. So you are so kind and sent me this um, IR LED. Illuminator. I haven't opened it yet because I'm finishing my book. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. But I'm. But these are amazing. They're they're sixty bucks. They're not expensive. To no, use. they're not expensive at all. So yeah, you could get them on Amazon, and they're really uh, very effective on resolving brain issues. And you know that's something. Who wants to be healthy and live a long age if you lost your brain? So this is a powerful way to help regenerate. And it's and actually one of the reasons why being in the sun is so healthy that people realize you know it's a healthy been a health principle naturopathically for a long time. But I don't think they really appreciate why. A big part of it is the red and the near infrared light that we're being exposed to. Yes. So what kind of sauna do you use? Like what, what does that, that setup a, look like? Because I know you've got a lot of, lot of stuff going got, on there. I've got, 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 got all kinds of toys. i got a lot of biohacking <laughs> toys and, and they're growing all the time because one of my new passions is EMI, electromagnetic interference, dirty electricity, and uh, microphone, microphone radiation. So I've got a lot of tools to measure that and remediate against it. But uh, with respect to the sauna, it's a tent sauna. I think your head should be outside of the of the sauna. It doesn't need to be exposed to the high heat. And if you're male, like I am, what I learned is that I actually got a little bit of a varicocele swelling in the, the veins and the testicles. So the, the, the scrotum doesn't like high heat. So I take a, uh, a ice pack, a frozen ice pack, and I just cover it with a washcloth and put it next to my scrotum. Uh, and that protects it and hasn't been a problem since. So that's a one. A woman doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah, but the, ray, uh, the rays don't penetrate clothing also. So that can help to just at least put clothing. Oh, I had, I had, I had pants on. I had shorts on, but it still went right through. So I, mean, I think it's just a matter of the heat because, you know, the, I, I don't know what temperature you're – usually the heat lamps on us don't get that high, maybe 120. But the, my far infrared sauna goes like to 170 I'm typically yeah. at. And then I combine it with cold thermogenesis, another powerful mitochondrial stimulant. And I – not so much now because as we're recording this, it's like the end of April and my 
pool is like in the 70s, even versus too cold. I mean, too warm. So, I mean, but when you get into the 50s and even in the 40s, that is a really cold stimulus. And it's so great to go from 170 saunas out into 50 degree water. It's like, whoa, it wakes you up big time. So I, I love it, actually. I'm really kind of disappointed that I can't expose myself to that to now. But it's like anything. It's these cycles. So I have the cycle come fall and winter. And so why do you like the head to be outside of the infrared sun? I'm sure everyone's wondering why. Well, your brain doesn't, I don't, I mean, you, you may have information to suggest otherwise, but my concern is that you, sh- that you really shouldn't expose your head to that. And even the people who've been doing songs for a long time, especially the Russians, they have these hats that they wear to, to keep their head relatively cool. So I like to keep it out. Plus it, uh, it gives me, my tent sauna has like two little, two little zippers on the side. So, because uh, that's another half hour in the sauna. So I'm usually doing emails when I'm in the sauna. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a busy day. I've got, I mean, I would be so happy if I didn't have to sleep because then I could get some stuff done. But it's just like every day, it's just, gosh, I wish I had a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to fit, I I, whenever feel. I can re- rescue time, I can rescue it. So, yeah, I know how you feel. Yeah. So tell us, um, you know, any advice or, or that you would give to anyone, maybe anything we've left out today in our conversation about how to, you know, charge up your mitochondria. Well, another really powerful one that I didn't mention is exercise and uh, exercise. Now, and what, what are mitochondria? For those who don't know, uh, they generate ATP, which is a cellular currency in your body. You have a lot of them. You have a quadrillion mitochondria, which is like every cell except for your red blood cells and your skin cells have a few hundred mitochondria, a few thousand and more mitochondrial dense tissues like your brain, your liver, your heart, kidneys. So you've got a lot of them and you want to keep them going because they're the key to your health. And one of the ways that you can do that, you want to to increase apoptosis appropriately by not having a lot of protein or having appropriate protein at at the right times, uh, combine it with your strength training. But then you also want to engage in regular exercise because that increases something called PGC1-alpha, which is a real important signal to cause your mitochondria to to reproduce. It's called mitochondrial biogenesis. So exercise will do that really, really well. It also does another thing, does increases BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which increases, it's like fertilizer for your brain cells, which who doesn't want that? So a regular form of exercise, and just don't make the mistake that I did for 40 years, because I started exercising in 68, and uh, used to run long distances and ran a sub-three-hour marathon, uh, which was a mistake. I would never have done that if I knew what I knew now. But because you really, the best exercise is like continuous movement throughout the day. Uh, and I was like, when I stopped seeing patients 10 years ago, I was like at the sitting down like 16 hours a day or close between 12 and 16 hours. And I had like some severe debilitating back pain, even though I was vigorously and religiously working out an hour a day, every pretty much every day. You know, an hour of exercise is not enough to compensate for 16 hours of sitting. It just won't do it. So you need to move all day long, ideally. And you do want a little bit of intentional burst. Uh, I've developed, I didn't develop, I was taught by Dr. Zach Bush, one of my good friends, uh, this nitric oxide dump exercise where you do this really aggressive set of calisthenics, but it's about three to four minutes, and you do it a few times a day, and it just releases this nitric oxide, which is another real important metabolic signaling agent that will decrease inflammation, thin your blood, improve your immune response, and uh, just and relax your blood vessels so you have less heart disease and cardiovascular disease. So 
another, just a powerful stim. So exercise is key. Don't ignore it. You know, see if you can walk 10,000 steps a day. Maybe wear a, a fitness tracker to see if you can count them and, you know, be obsessive about it just so you get an idea of what you need to do to get to reach that level. Because you may be walking a lot less than you think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> More than likely. So I have a question I like to ask all of my guests. Yeah. What do you think is the most pressing <clears throat> health issue in the world today? I think it would be, it's a, it's a, it's a good question, but it's, it's most likely, uh, it's a complex one, is uh, ignorance. Uh, but it's ignorance by design, not because people are being massively manipulated and deceived. We have a uh, corporate sponsors that really control, I think six of them control 80, 85% of the media. So that's changing a little bit with, with the internet, you know, and we're a part of that process to educating people. But even with that, you can just see recently within the last year, there's this movement to like uh, essentially uh, decredentialize people who are telling the truth and saying, oh, they're fake news. Even, you know, really big giants like Facebook and Google identifying them and taking them out of the search engine ranking because they've been labeled as fake news, even though they're telling the truth. So it's, it's a bit of a challenge to differentiate what the good news sources and what the bad ones are because most of the conventional medias are just absolute corrupted lies. And the these corporations, I mean, many big corporations, Monsanto being a really great example, I mean, they absolutely penetrated the uh, federal regulatory agencies. And you cannot do anything federal that's going to alienate Monsanto. You can't even do any research within the giant agricultural universities that's anti-Monsanto or you will be kicked out. You will lose your tenure and you'll lose all your funding. So so as a result, all these studies that are generated to be shown as proof uh, of the assertions that they're making is, is, is wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Uh, ultimately, you have to figure it out yourself. You're responsible. You can, can take control of your health. You can get resources like your your podcast, and there's many others that you, you get enough of a critical threshold, and you'll under, start to understand these things. But the foundational truths are pretty simple. The longer I'm in this, the longer the more I realize it's really pretty simple. But the devil is in the details, and you could make some big mistakes if you aren't careful. Yeah, I love that answer because I think you know the big pharma, big agar pay millions of dollars to discredit people, to do PR campaigns, have websites that discredit mm -hmm. alternative therapies that work. And, and medical doctors are trained um, by Big Pharma and they're, they're salespeople for Big Pharma. I'm not talking about surgeons and things like that. We need, we need emergency care and, and surgeries, things like that. But um, you know, it's, it's very twisted and people need to have sources, reliable sources like Mercola.com and like Green Med Info and other types of websites where they can get trusted information where, you know, because the information we're being fed, it, there's a lot of lies out there and you really have to rely on yourself. So thank you so much for You're what welcome. you do. Because yeah, I know um, you put yourself at risk. I know you put yourself <laughs> at risk and you pay, you have, you know, you put yeah, yourself they, out there to put the truth out there. Yeah, they've had, you know, because I really, because of what we've exposed and everything, we have literally cost these corporations, you know, we've done the analysis, tens of billions of dollars they've lost because of our exposés. So, you know, when you have that type of financial loss, there's a lot of effort that's going to stop that loss of revenue that's sinking down the drain. So, you know, they, they put a lot of resources to discredit me and uh, to a certain extent they have. But, you know, if you're if you're in this for a while, 
you're seeking, you'll, you'll understand, you'll realize that it's just a bunch of hogwash. Yeah. And it's probably part of the program. I mean, anyone that's yeah. making change and making waves and seeking the truth, people are going to want to shut that down. And so I, I really respect what you do and I respect you and I've learned a tremendous amount from you and I encourage everyone listening, go on Mercola.com. There's so much unbelievable information on there. Yeah, we've been, this year is our 20th year. So I literally started this 20 years ago because it was a, a combination of my passion of technology and health. And uh, so we've got most of those articles up there. I mean, you literally use a search box at the top of every article and you type in a question or a topic and you'll have dozens and more likely hundreds of different articles that I've written in the past that you can you know re review and see if it makes any sense and why did you start your site I mean you started like right when the internet pretty much yeah. <laughs> actually I, I started the site before Google did started theirs actually yeah yeah uh, that was uh, as I said they had those passions but what the, I think the primary catalyst was when uh, patients came in and they said, Doc, what about this thing that I just heard on the news? And I said, you know, I was in the office. Like I said, I was crazy obsessive. I was in the office like 14 hours a day, so I wasn't watching much TV. So I didn't know about it because I, you know, I was reading the journals, but the newscasters got this information. So I I was really angry and annoyed that the patients would come in to telling me about breakthroughs that I didn't know about. So I started to realize that the internet was around and I could find out that I can get the, the same news the newscasters were getting before they got it and read it. And then I said, I realized that once I had this information, that I had a special perspective to, to really uh, essentially explain what those findings were. Because there's a lot of conflicted information on studies. You know, a lot of them are sponsored by the industry. And, uh, you know, they're for a specific uh, uh, point of pushing their drugs or whatever agenda they have. So I, I put my perspective on it and put a newsletter. I said, you know, if I found this useful. I bet a lot of other people would. So then I just started writing a newsletter and my patients would come in and say, Hey, I've got a free newsletter. Would you like to get it? But doc, I don't have, I don't have email. It was like 5% of my patients <laughs> had, had, email, had a computer account. 5% when I first started that, you know, it may not seem like everyone's had email forever, but it wasn't that way. It was not that way in the nineties. So, uh, but you know, eventually everyone, pretty much everyone does like a telephone, but well, thank you so much for persevering. Uh, your OCD tendencies about health <laughs> definitely show, as you do, you have just cutting edge information on there. I mean, I still go on your site to learn stuff and am just really blown away by the, the breadth and depth and the quality of the information that's on your site. Well, thank you for those kind words, Wendy. And we've got a lot more to explore because as I said at the beginning, it's all about a journey. No one knows everything. And there's just, I mean, I just bound up, bounced out of bed in the morning because just no, just excited to to realize I'm going to learn a lot of great stuff today, and I do pretty much all the time. It's just like wow, it's such a it's such an amazing journey. So it's yeah. just I'm very excited, and enthusiastic to to be able to participate in it. And so, where can everyone find your book, Fat for Fuel? Uh, pretty much anywhere. Well, there's this really obscure website. It's called Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably the best way. You know, it comes out in the middle of May and. Uh, I think we've already pre-sold 100,000 copies, so it should be a number one New York Times bestseller. Uh, and we've got actually a really interesting nine-part video docu-series coming out, uh, done by uh, Jonathan Otto, that uh, we've interviewed some of the top experts around, and I should have like three hours of video in there, too, just expanding on some of the topics we talked about today and going into more detail. So that should be coming out, with, with and that's free, of course, so 
you know, but the book goes is a really good resource. And, you know, I, when it comes to books, I mean, it's like one of the best investments you can make. I mean, even if it's a terrible book, it's $15, $20, you know, I mean, typically you if you've ever read a book for you, there's thousands and thousands of hours that goes into pilot information. So it's just, it's crazy. I mean, the information you get there and read, I mean, it's such a uh, valuable investment that, uh, you know, that's why I read so many books because it's just, I learned so much from reading the books. Now, what is your docuseries called? Uh, I think the name for it hasn't been figured out yet. Okay. Um there's like three or four titles going on. We have to test which one makes the most sense. But there's some pretty interesting interesting ones. So Yeah, so just go to Mercola.com. You can sign yeah. up and give your email and then and Mercola will let you know what the name is when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, and our, and our website for the book is Fat for Fuel. Fat for Fuel, the title of the book, dot org. So and there's uh some interesting videos on there and bonuses you get when you buy it. So uh but it's it should be a very valuable and important resource for people to address these devastating diseases that we're all confronting. If if we're not directly, certainly someone we know and love is. So, you know, it's a it's a powerful tool and it really helps clear through some of the confusion. Because there's a lot of confusion about keto. And I think I help clear up in, in the book. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I so appreciate you uh, giving me an interview. And I know all the listeners are so appreciative as well. I've learned so much. You guys want to learn about me, you can go to live210.com and learn about my healing and detox program at mineralpower.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. <laughs>